got a couple of scriptures I want to share with you. Um, I'm not going to be for you very long, uh, but I hope uh, the message hits where it's supposed to hit and speaks to whomever it's supposed to speak to. Thank you, Lord God. We've been speaking from um, a couple of older books in the Old Testament recently. We've been speaking from Haggai, the prophet. We've been speaking from Ezra and a little bit of Nehemiah as well. These books are a series of prophets who in these particular prophets existed right after captivity. The children of Israel were destroyed because they weren't close to God. They had kind of strayed away from the Lord. They got taken into captivity by the Babylonians and they finally got out of captivity. And the book of Ezra and the book of Haggai speak to speaking of the pit to the people to get their spiritual lives in order. I read two scriptures. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and read them again so we can make sure we're all in the same place. Let's start with Haggai uh, chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. It reads this. Thus speak, speak as the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. The time is now to build the house of the Lord. Verse 3 says, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, it is, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? He was talking to the people and saying that your spiritual lives, your physical, temporal lives, all seem to be in order. You have built your houses, and your houses have roofs on them. They're basically at the point where your house is weatherproofed, right? Your, your house no longer is subject to outside. Like, one of the worst feelings I can imagine is, being in a house or not having a house at all where whatever weather is coming in, that's what you get. If it's raining, that's what you have in life. Like I haven't for a long time thankfully had to worry about my roof leaking. That's one of the worst feelings to be in dread that it's gonna rain soon and have a leaking roof. It feels you, it feels horrible, right? And the Haggai the prophet saying, you've all got your houses weatherproofed, you're all good, and yet the house of the Lord our spiritual center isn't weatherproofed at all. If it rains, we can't even get out here. That's basically what he's saying. And you've taken care of yourselves, but it's time to take care of the house of the Lord. And I want to just be clear what we're saying here. I want you to take care of not this physical building, couldn't care less about this. I want you to take care of your spiritual building, which is your house, which is the house of the Holy Spirit. I want you to take care of your temple. Right? I want you to be ready to take care of your house, your house, to make sure that you're ready for what life throws at you. You don't want, when there's bad weather, for it to just be bad weather in your life. You want to be able to weather that moment. You don't want it to be just because it's raining outside, just because it's windy outside, just because it's snowing outside, you're cold, you're wet, you're out of, out of sorts. You don't want that. You want a house that's sealed. Right? Amen? Let's continue here. Uh, and it continues in, in Haggai chapter 1. It says, uh, verse 4, it says, It is time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste. Now therefore, saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Think about what you're doing. Then he goes on to Haggai chapter 2. And here he really pulls them out. And he says, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? Who saw this house before the Babylonians got here? Before they destroyed everything? Who saw it then? And he goes on, he says, and how do you see it now? How do you see the foundations that have been destroyed now? 
Is it not in your eyes in comparison to it as nothing? He says, if you compare the before to the now, it looks terrible. But then he says in verse 4, yet now be strong. Right now is the time to be strong. We haven't started building. We haven't fixed anything. It still looks awful. It still looks like we can't, we, we haven't even got, if the weather comes in right now, it's going to be just whatever we're going to have to for our service. Can you imagine right now if it started raining and we were just rained on? That's exactly what they're dealing with there. The house is in ruins. Your house is okay, but your spiritual house is torn up. And he's saying this is the wrong way round. We'd be better off if the spiritual house was okay and our physical house wasn't so good. So let me keep going. Haggai 2, verse 4, he says, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, O ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord. I love this verse. He's saying to you to be strong, and what is the why of you being strong? Is he saying, because I'm going to supply for you, I'm going to send angels to do all the work for you? Actually, no. Am I going to send a miracle so that the house, as you wake up next morning, everything's fixed? No. He's saying, I want you to be strong so that you can do the work and get this house back in order. Your future is securely in your hands. <laughs> to be clear, he could do a miracle, but that's not what he wants for you. He wants you to be strong and you to do the work. And I wonder sometimes if we set back and want to be passengers in our own life rather than driving the actual vehicle. We're looking for a we're looking for an angel to jump out of the skies, and I'm not suggesting this won't happen for some people, but I'm wondering if some of us are a little bit taking a passenger seat in our own spiritual lives and hoping somebody else drives the wheel. And the Lord's saying, no, no, I want you in the passenger seat. I want you to be the one that works and gets strong and gets diligent about getting your spiritual life in order. This is what we're being challenged with today to get our spiritual lives in order. There's no one else coming for it. It's you who is in charge of your life. Amen? Amen. Let me go down to verse 9. Sorry, let me go down to verse uh, 5. And also let the gold and silver vessels of the house of the God which Nebuchadnezzar took forth out of the temple, which is at Jerusalem, and brought unto Babylon, be restored, and brought again unto the temple which is at Jerusalem, everyone at his place and placed them in the house of God. When Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came, he took all the gold out of the temple, took all the things that were pleasant and beautiful out of the temple, stripped it and completely destroyed it and completely destroyed the foundation. What he was trying to do at the time was to destroy every memory of what was there before. He was trying to destroy every memory. See, if you destroy the memory of it, and this goes back to what I said before, if you don't know where you are, it's difficult to figure out what direction you're going in. It's really difficult. So, so what Nebuchadnezzar tried to do was destroy the temple and only any kind of idea or trace of its existence. 
And what he would be able to do then is the next generation, his thought was, I'll be able to manipulate the next generation and get them to do what I want to do. That's why he had Daniel. We can go to the story of Daniel another day. But they had these young men they were trying to mold in a particular way. So why is it important to know where you come from? Because if you know where you come from, you always get grounded in that moment and it's impossible to throw you off. A foundation then is critical. So if you start building a house tomorrow, and your foundation isn't plumb, isn't straight, there is zero chance that the rest of the house is going to be any good. You can't fix it on the way up. You have to fix it at the foundation. It's impossible to fix a house at the roof. You're saying, well, why isn't this, this um, second floor straight? Why is this ball I've put on the floor rolling to the left every time I get in the house? Something's wrong. And it didn't start at the second level, it started at the foundation. So what does Nebuchadnezzar try to do? He destroys the, the, the house of God so thoroughly that there's no foundation to stand on. That these people, he's trying to wipe out the very memory of the Lord into these people. But there are ones that remember and refuse to forget. That's what I'm asking us to be. The ones who remember. You know, when you see me and I, I'll do, we'll do things like communion, we will do things like prayer. You'll see me use oil. You'll see me in communion be very specific about what happened in that evening and try to replicate it. Because I want to be rooted in what happened and build on that foundation. <laughs> so what has happened here? They've been in, in captivity for 50 years and they finally come back. Let's now go to um, Haggai, the book of Haggai. Sorry, excuse me. Let's go to um, Ezra, excuse me. Ezra chapter 3. So the first thing they do after they get back, they finally, the, the, the new king of, of, of Babylon has allowed them to go back. And the very first thing they do isn't rebuild the foundation of the temple. They do something even more important than that. They build the altar. The altar is the place where you would give sacrifices. It's the most intimate type of worship where I say I'm going to give up what I have to the Lord. Our worship is supposed to be rooted in sacrifice. We could be doing something else with our energy this morning. <laughs> like there's lots of things I've got to absolutely do to make sure the lights stay on. But I'm saying, Lord, this worship is an act of sacrifice to you and I'm giving it to you without desire for repayment. This is a sacrifice to you, right? I'm giving my worship to him. And the very first thing they do in chapter three is rebuild the altar. They have a central place to give their sacrifices. But the scripture tells us that after they build the altar, they get permission to rebuild the actual foundation and the house of the Lord. So even though they've got an altar, they're literally giving sacrifices outside. It's just outside. They've broken down our temple. There's no walls. There's no foundation. I'm just walking around outside giving sacrifices. Right? And then the scripture tells us that the king of, 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 the king of Babylon gives them the opportunity to rebuild the entire temple. In fact, he says, I'll pay for the whole thing. <laughs> he says, I'll pay for the absolute whole building to be rebuilt out of what I took from you in the first place. He intends to completely restore them, right? And they start the act of building the foundation. And chapter um, three is where we spoke last time, where they rebuilt the temple. 
and there were people old enough to remember what the old temple looked like and they started to cry and the young people who never really knew what the old temple looked like started to give thanks and so verse 13 says that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of weeping of the people for the people shouted with a loud shout and the noise was heard afar off so you've got some people who are still upset because all they see is a foundation but then you've got a whole bunch of people who are glad that we have a foundation this is what i was saying blessings sometimes don't look like blessings depending on where you're from right to some people this foundation look like wow we've got started yes we're on our way but to some people who remembered the temple they were like this is a disaster we've only got a foundation and they started to both speak at the same time and give thanks and some were sad but some were happy but i want to be to be honest on the happy side why because back in haggai it says the 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 latter temple is going to be greater than the former temple so the question isn't what what i have the question is what is the lord telling me And if the Lord says that the next is going to be greater than the first, then whenever I see the fruit coming together, I'm going to start to give thanks. Amen? All right. Amen. So what happens next? So the the word of the Lord comes to Ezra and Haggai and tells the people, be strong. There's a reason why he's telling them to be strong. uh, Because in chapter 4, what happens is really interesting. The people who are already in the land start to try to discourage them from their work. So in verse, chapter 4, verse 2, he says, Then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you. These are the enemies. They've come to, to, to the people and said, Let us build with you. And said unto them, to them, For we seek your God as ye do. And we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esashhadon, king of Asher, which brought us up hither. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chiefs of the fathers of Israel said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build an house unto our God. But we ourselves together will build unto the Lord, God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. So there's a whole bunch of people that said, let's help you. But they'd never had any intentions of helping. All they wanted to do was disrupt what they were doing. That was their intent. And so the people of God says, no, no, we're good. We'll build what we're building. And the thing you've got to be very careful about when you're building a, va- a foundation is that the people who you build with. Because otherwise you're going to, ha- if you have two voices trying to make something straight, you end up having two essentially foundations. You've got to be very careful as you build. The, the part of building and making sure it's plumb and straight is the job of experts only, the job of people who know. And their intent wasn't to let them build a foundation, but they knew that if they built the foundation, these people would have their spiritual lives back. And they didn't want to help. So what actually happened is that they said, okay, let's stop them from building. Let's read what happened. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even unto the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So a bunch of people were trying to stop them from building the house of the Lord. It's amazing to me that the whole time that they had these sealed houses that I talked about earlier, no one said a word to them about building their own sealed houses. They were happy for them to get their own prosperity. 
But when it came to building their spiritual house, all of a sudden the enemies popped up out of everywhere. We were happy for you to build your own house, but to have a spiritual house, now I've got a problem. And that to me speaks really volumes. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you're trying to get into a Bible study or a church service and everything is coming up to stop you. It wasn't there before. It wasn't happening to you before, but they're trying to undo the purpose that is most critical to you. The scripture calls it, they were trying to frustrate their purpose. I love that because it says two things. First of all, they had a purpose. Like building was their purpose. And I want you to know that building your spiritual life is your purpose. It is the thing that you are here to do, to make sure that you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong. It is your purpose, but understand that not everybody's going to build with the same purpose you're going to have. Some people are coming in with their own plans, and it's going to cause your foundation to be off if you're not careful. They're going to speak against you. They're going to disrupt you. They're going to work against you. But I need you to understand that the Lord is always with you. Just like he said to Ezra, just like he said to Haggai, only be strong because I am with you. They're going to try and upset you. They're going to try to disrupt you. They're going to try to make sure you can't do what you need to do. But the Lord is speaking to you now. Be strong. Be very strong right now. The latter is going to be greater than the former. The latter is going to be greater than the former. Be strong. So they send a letter. These people, they end up sending a letter to the new king. Cyrus was the, one, the king who said, you can build. But then a new king, Xerxes, comes along and they send a letter to him and saying, hey, you're letting these, these uh, Jewish folk build a temple. And if you let them build a temple, they're going to be rebellious. This is what chapter four is about. So they say they're going to be rebellious. We're going to, if you let them build a city, they're going to be a bad city. They won't pay tolls. They won't pay taxes. And so the work stops because the king is convinced against the people of God. And I need you to know that people are going to speak against the work of the Lord in your life. They're going to try to stop you, make up every excuse why you shouldn't be building on the Lord's, in your life in the Lord. But I need you to stand. What happens at the start of chapter 5 is that Zerubbabel gets a letter from the king telling him to stop work. Stop building. You've built the foundation, but I need you to stop. You know what Zerubbabel does? He just keeps working. He doesn't keep, like the king told, the king of the largest empire on the planet earth has told you to stop building. And what does Zerubbabel do? Just keeps building. Doesn't care. Zerubbabel says, I'm just going to, he doesn't even, he does, there's no declaration. He's not like he says, well, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and he just starts building. What we hear from Zerubbabel is he keeps building. And we get the impression that it's basically just him. He doesn't care if people are with him or against him. He doesn't care that they've come to help. He just starts building. And all it takes is one person to start building. And that will encourage others to start building with you. And that's what I say, don't be a passenger in your own work of the Lord. Get in the driver's seat and start driving the car. 
you're going to encourage others to either get in with you as a passenger or drive their own car to, to push the metaphor further, right? You're going to have to be the driver's seat for your own spiritual life. Look, there was a time where it was our parents' job to make sure that we were in church on time. That was their job. But that's over now. Like, we are it. If we're not here, we're just not going to be here. They got no, they've got no leverage over us now. They can't whoop us anymore. Like, that's, that's just not an option for them. Can they? I mean, it's just not an I'm, I'm in my 40s now. It'd be a shame if, if my dad had to be the one to get me out of church, of church this day. It's my job to drive this vehicle now. It's your job to drive the vehicle now. Amen? So Zerubbabel just starts working. This is chapter 5. He just starts working. <laughs> And the scripture tells us that the elders see him and start to also work. And everybody just starts working again. So to this new king they send, so um, Xerxes is the new king after that, but then another king comes after that, Darius. This is just like different administrations. Just like how the president, president has four years and the next person comes in has four years. Things change, just does. And I'm not worried about the changing administrations. I'm not worried about who's in charge. You can give me the Democrat or the Republican. Doesn't make me, no, never mind. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm not, I'm not spending time worrying about the Supreme Court. I'm not spending time worrying about the mayor. I'm not worrying about the Ohio State Supreme Court. I'm not worried about none of you. I'm doing the work that we are supposed to be doing. Some folks were so frustrated by, by um, newsing the, about what the news was and who got elected and who got kicked out and who didn't get put in where. Are you doing your work? Are you in the driver's seat of your own work? And are you doing it? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Amen? So they start the work back up again. And the scripture tells us in, um, in Ezra chapter 5 and verse 5, but the eye of their God was upon the Jews that they could not cause them to cease. <laughs> so these people had got the king's letter, they read the king's letter, says you've got to stop working, and the eye of the Lord was on these people so that they couldn't stop them. <laughs> I have a letter here with the king's seal, with the king's letter, and he's telling you to stop working, and they said, we're not stopping. <laughs> There's no way we're stopping working because the eye of the Lord is on us. There are some authorities that are really important for you to, 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 to listen to in the world, but I'm going to be honest with you, there is a greater authority than any authority that we've put into place, and that is the authority with the Lord. I just believe that. I give over to his authority first, and everybody else is second. Amen? So verse 5, But the eye of, the, of their God was upon the elders of the Jews, that they could not cause them to cease could not cause them to cease till the matter came to Darius so Xerxes we started with Cyrus the king we've gone to Xerxes the king tells them to stop and they would not stop <laughs> Darius they outlive Xerxes Darius is now in charge and they send the matter to Darius to try to stop them from working administration after administration tries to stop them from working and they refuse to stop thank you Lord so verse 5 says, then they return the answer by letter concerning this matter. So they get a letter from the new king saying stop work, and they send a nice prompt letter back. <laughs> the letter that they send back says, 
you, the previous king promised us this. Why are you stopping us now? And one of the things that was great about the Babylonians is that they kept really good records of everything. They kept perfect records of everything. They knew exactly what they took from the temple. And so if they wanted to, they could restore everything. They had a letter, a copy of the letter that Cyrus had sent them. And so they realized that if we could get a hold of the letter, we can tell you what you promised. So you're going to get some people who help you, some people who stand against you, some people who don't care. And I'm encouraging you, no matter what their feeling is, you stand and you build and you work. Some people are going to be helping you just for five minutes. Take their five minutes of the work and then keep working. Some people are going to stand with you for two years. Wonderful. I've got your two years work here. And now I'm going to keep working on my spiritual life because that's what's important to me. I can't stop working because you stop working. I can't, you know, it's, it's funny because we always, I don't know if you've ever done this, you've had a great idea for something and you bring it to somebody who you think is going to be really, really helpful to you and you bring them their idea and they think, oh, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. And now, instead of doing it, you said, you know what, that is a horrible idea. I won't bother. Only to find some entrepreneur took that idea. And now they're a millionaire and you're sitting here with your friend who said not to work and both of you are broke. That's happened to me like five times, I promise you. Do, do the thing that you're supposed to be doing. Not everybody can see your vision, but I trust what the Lord has put into you and work what you're supposed to be working. So what happens in the end? They end up building this temple. They end up building this temple. It takes years in the making. It takes years, but this temple, this new temple they built is in fact bigger than the temple they originally had. Maybe it doesn't have the gold, but it has everything that they need to worship the Lord. And the last verse, 22 of chapter six, really sits with me very well here. In fact, let's do 21 and verse 22 of chapter 6. He says, Ezra ch chapter 6, 21 and 22 says this, And the children of Israel, which were come again out of captivity, and all such as had separated themselves unto them from the filthiness of the heathen of the land, to seek the Lord of Israel, did eat, and kept the feast of the unleavened bread seven days with joy. This is really complicated. I'm going to slow that down a little bit. What has happened here, you remember back in um, Haggai, when Haggai said, when the Lord spoke to Haggai, he said, speak to the remnant. Speak to the remnant. They're the only ones that have come with you. Just speak to the, the residue of the people, right? Just the people that are left. Not everybody was there building, just a few people. Speak to them. But after they see the building of the church, of the temple go up, everybody starts coming back. They couldn't see the vision when it was a foundation. They couldn't see the vision when it was an altar. But when they see the temple finished, everybody comes. That's an important statement there. Not everybody can understand the need of a prayer service when it's just two of you. They see it when there's two dozen of you. Like they get it, oh yeah, that's something I can, but you need to get the vision when it's small. <laughs> because you're gonna help people come who couldn't see it before. Yes. 
But you're going to have to be the one to help them get there. (laughs) This is in your hands. You can't afford, because your leadership is different to theirs, you can't afford to wait. (laughs) It's easy to be, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody who, who loves sports and they don't watch their team when they're losing, but they absolutely watch it when they're winning. I'm sorry, I do that a little bit myself. Like, um, as soon as my team goes down, I'm switching that off. I don't want to, I can't see it. I can't watch it. But as soon as they take the lead, oh, I'm on the bandwagon. These people coming in are on the bandwagon once they've seen the temple up. But we all can't afford to do that. Otherwise, they won't get any support, right? Some of us have to be here when it looks awful. Some of us have to be here when it's just us. I'm going to be here no matter what. I'm standing. Yeah? Our spiritual lives are that important. That even when our lives seem like they're upside down, when our lives seem like our priorities are out of line, we're still going to trust in the Lord. So let me keep reading verse 21 and verse 22. And the children of Israel, which were come out again of captivity, and all such had separated themselves unto them, from the filthiness of the heathen of that land to seek the Lord God of Israel did eat. So they've come together out of captivity and kept the feast of the unleavened bread seven days with with joy. They've decided that this is the time to do a remembrance and to do the remembrance with joy. And the feast of the unleavened, to be clear, is the Passover. The Passover is us actually celebrating getting out of Egypt. You see the foundation they're laying here? They're setting a memorial and saying, this is who we are. And this is exactly what they were trying to destroy to stop them remembering who they were. And I need to remember who it is you are in Christ Jesus right now. We are more than conquerors. We have been set free. What was the song we sang earlier? Um, It says, I'm going to turn Morning to dancing. What else was the other part? You gotta find that for me. Morning to dancing. There were some beautiful uh, verses. You're the only one who can. What was it? Turn graves into gardens. So this place, this location where the temple had been destroyed was supposed to be a grave. But they rebuilt the foundation. And that thing that was supposed to represent their utter destruction represented their new life and it started because somebody said I believe even if none of you all believe what was the other part of that you give beauty for ashes yes this is the part of our greatest destruction yes this is where we lost a battle and went into captivity but have a guess what now this is our garden today what else was there? You turned shame into glory. You turned shame? Into glory. Yeah, this is our national defeat. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on. This is national defeat. Yes, sir. But I'm turning it into glory for you, Lord. You're the only one who can do this. Where I want to now remember you. I can't go forward unless I know where I am. I can't know where I am unless I know where I came from. And even though it looks awful, I'm gonna give him the glory. Let me just read this out here. 
and he says, and kept the feast of the unleavened bread seven days with joy, for the Lord had made them joyful <laughs> and turned the heart of the king of Assyria unto them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. The place that was supposed to represent their defeat got turned into the place of their victory and it just took them believing, working, because the Lord would strengthen their heart. May the Lord add a blessing to this word in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.